Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, I'm here with Donald. Hello. In our discussions, we are talking about the difference between a Christian and a disciple. Enjoy our conversation. So Donald, a Christian and a disciple. The two of them have different interpretations and different meanings. If we start with the word Christian, that will immediately spring into people's minds lots of different thoughts and responses. Now, there was a church in the UK last year that did a survey amongst all of their parish. And they asked them this question, when you think of the word Christian or you hear the word Christian, what comes into your mind? And these were the responses to the survey. The first person, I get defensive, but I'm not really sure why. Then we had, I think of people being judgmental and holier than thou exclusive and cliquey, people who use Jesus' name for political gain, and hypocrites. And just a, a few of the responses that people had when they heard the word Christian. Now, for about 75% of the people in this country, they are happy to be labelled as a Christian. You tick it on the census, you go into a hospital, they ask you which faith you are, you may not go to church, you may not have any understanding of Christianity, but for many people, they are happy to be called a Christian. So for some, it has no connotations. For others, it has connotations that aren't helpful. Do you think the word Christian is a helpful term? <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> um, I think increasingly possibly not. Okay. So I'm not yet. It's still ingrained in my mind. I would still use the word Christian an awful lot. Mm -hmm. But I'm deeply concerned that at what it means. So when you, when you use language, there is always what you mean by a word and what yeah. other people understand by a word. And it's really important to try and make sure that what they understand is what you mean. The problem with the word Christian is, as you're pointing out, there is a big gap between what people understand and what we might mean. So I think increasingly, I am going to use that word less and less. Okay, so there are lots of different choices as to other words you could use. Some people look at Christians, Jesus freaks, or you have disciple, follower of Jesus. Uh, what would be your preferred word? I think having a variety is quite helpful because I think it, each word brings a different angle. I think one of the things that's really interesting is actually in the New Testament, the word Christian is the least commonly used. It's hardly used at all. It was mm -hmm. used later on in the New Testament as a word that other people called believers. Mm -hmm. So you might get saints is a word that mm -hmm. the New Testament uses a lot, which again became really confused in our culture because people thought that saints was a handful of particularly holy people who could perform miracles, yeah. which is a view of a section of Christendom. Um, but actually, in the New Testament, saints just means a believer. A believer is a great word. A follower is a great word. A disciple is the word that Jesus seems to use most. So I guess that I'd lean towards that. But I'm not sure that disciple means much to uh, the world. But maybe it's good to use a word that people don't necessarily have any connotations with. There was a period 10, 15, 20 years ago where people talk about being born again. Are you born again, believers? That's a very Americanized phrase, so I think that's kind of unhelpful. But and that's only linked to one verse in the in the New Testament. Um, so though, yeah, I think disciple is an uh, right now. Disciple is an interesting word because it's 
takes us in a different direction, which is helpful. So when Jesus used the word disciple, he obviously had the 12 disciples. Did he just use it exclusively for them or was it something wider that he used for anyone that was a follower? He seems to, take, he seems to use it more widely. So he clearly has 12 yep. and they're chosen and they are specific and they become the apostles. Mm-hmm. But he seems to use it to define anyone who follows him and follows as another word or a follower of Jesus. And that's... Um, yeah, he seems to use the word disciple for men and women, mm-hmm. uh, anyone following him. So in liking the word disciple, explain to us what that means. So you're saying that that uh, is for anyone who is a believer. Uh, wh- what does the word disciple mean to you? Because Christian has all these other connotations. Begin to explain to us, what do you think a disciple is? I think a disciple is somebody who fundamentally loves Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, I would go back a step and say that we fundamentally love Jesus because we've discovered that he loves us. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the Bible is clear in that God first loves us, that Jesus comes to us. So it begins in this relationship of love. So a disciple is someone who loves Jesus, and, the res- and there is intrinsically a response to that love. And that the response of loving Jesus is this idea of following him, is to say, I wish to do what you ask of me, mm-hmm. and I wish to copy you. Mm-hmm. So a disciple is someone who both obeys and copies Jesus mm-hmm. because they love him, mm-hmm. because they have discovered he loves them. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got a special little uh, ABC with a D on the end, I think. Is it mm-hmm. ABCD? ABCD. Of being a disciple. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, so, so in the way Jesus in, talks to the disciples and talks in the New Testament, he talks, uh, I think, about three or four concepts of what it means to follow him and there's a, a journey. And I found it helpful to put that into an A, B, a C, and a D. So when he begins, he starts off, by using the word repent, I use the word admit. So the first point of, of someone choosing to be a follower of Jesus is to, is to admit some stuff. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you're admitting that actually the way I live my life the, the, is, is fallen short of God's intention. That God's intention for humanity is that we love each other. And the first thing a follower is doing is saying, I admit that within me there is selfishness. Within me there is a lack of love at times, whether it's neglect or apathy or conscious actual unlove, that I am not perfect, that all Mm. of us every day do things that are not best for other people, whether it's the way we treat the planet, whether it's the way we treat our neighbour, whether it's the way we treat our family, whether it's the way we uh, treat strangers, all of us are prone to, to greed or pride or envy or uh, harsh words or selfish words or whatever it is. So the first thing, the, the, new, the, the, the encounter with Jesus seems to be based upon is a repentance, is turning away of saying, I've got it wrong. Mm. So for me... I think of that as an A, admit. I admit that my life is not great, that I need God's mercy, mm-hmm. that the foundation of a relationship with Jesus is humility. Mm. And that any sense of pride that I'm a good person whom God is lucky to have me following him 
is incompatible with being a follower of Jesus. So that's my A. Mm -hmm. B? Yep. So then Jesus, uh, and particularly I'm looking in John's gospel, you see this again and again. He says to his disciples, you need to believe. And they need to believe in him. So the B stands for believe. And I would identify three things really that come out of, of believing. Mm -hmm. So the first is to believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. That he is uh, God in human form and the creator of the universe, the one to be listened to, followed and obeyed. So when we get to the next step, we trust Jesus because he's Lord. Yeah. We also believe that he died on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. That if we take our A, admitting that we believe that, that he is the one who takes our wrongdoing, our sin, and that though our behavior means we're not worthy of going to heaven, he dies the death we should die. Mm -hmm. So we believe that Jesus is a savior. We believe in what he's doing on the cross. Mm -hmm. So he's asking those who want to follow him, to believe in who he is. And he says that you shall not perish. Whoever believes in me shall not mm -hmm. perish. So it's clear that to believe in Jesus is to believe that he is overcoming death, that he's risen and that we uh, can trust him. So the link to that is a sense that we believe that he loves us and that he's never going to leave us, that he calls us. Mm -hmm. So I admit that I need God, that I'm not perfect, and I believe that he loves me mm -hmm. and that he's come as my Lord and Saviour and that he's risen from the dead and that he's conquered death. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be the foundation on which he then says to these disciples, follow me. Yep. So then you get the, 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 uh, the sea, which is to commit to some things mm -hmm. and to say, this is what I choose, mm -hmm. commit, choose, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it is to choose to love like Jesus and to obey his commands. He just says to his disciples, look, my command is this, that you love as I have loved you, that you, um, that you are merciful, that you are gentle with those who are bruised and have made mistakes, that you bind up the injured, that you, you heal the sick, that you restore um, God's love in places. So it's not for me sufficient to say, I admit that I need God and I believe in him. Mm -hmm. I actually have to say, and now because of mm -hmm. that, I'm going to join in with mm -hmm. your redemption, redemption, redemptive mm -hmm. work, with your story of restoration. So I choose to live like Jesus. I choose to uh, commit myself to other Christians and to work together in the church to bring God's kingdom in. So a lot of what Jesus mm -hmm. is saying to his disciples is, let's bring the kingdom of God in. We, mm -hmm. we pray this in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done, your kingdom come. What is he saying? He's saying the the, the acknowledgement of God as king and all the goodness and love that that will bring is what we're to bring about. Yeah. We're to encourage people to know God as king. Mm -hmm. So a disciple is choosing to live as Jesus wants and to copy his behavior, mm -hmm. to watch the way he sought the lost, to watch the way he dealt with his enemies, to watch the way 
uh, he acted in compassion and grace and mercy. To watch the way he was generous to the poor and, and lifted people up and say, if I'm, going to be, if I'm going to be a Christian, that's how I'm going to live. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to be. It's going to change who I am. I'm loved, and so because I'm loved, I want to love. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been at called into God's family. I've been adopted mm-hmm. as a child of mm-hmm. God, and therefore I want to bless and mm-hmm. participate in what my father is doing. I mean, already that is uh, incredibly different to what many people think Christianity is about. You know, for some it is tokenism. It is just my religion while well, I'm a Christian, born yeah. in a Christian country. Uh, yeah. And yet you're saying actually it's far more active and reactive and yeah. responsive that there is this God who loves us, who welcomes us to come. And it requires a choice. It requires a response. It requires a humility that says, do you know what? Yeah, I'm not the greatest. I've messed up. And it, it requires a decision to say, I'm committing to you. I want to follow you. I want to copy you. And so all of these perceptions or all of these experiences that people have had of uh, Christians being critical and hypocritical and judgmental, that actually isn't what a true Christian, mm. a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple is about. Because we look at Jesus and we don't see that. We, you know, Jesus gently, lovingly, on the whole, apart from to the religious authorities, got alongside people and graciously helped them to understand what they were doing was wrong. And to help them to start again. You know, you mm. think of the woman caught in adultery. The whole crowds were gathered around shouting at her, baying for her to be killed. You know, Jesus didn't go in there with a stick and beat her and say, you're a disgrace, my love. Just got alongside her and, and, and loved her. Mm. And so what you're saying is that a disciple is someone that, that has experienced so much in their relationship with God. It's like, I want to give that back. I want to reflect that. I want to be Jesus, in a sense, to to other people, Mm. which is radical and which is different. Because when you begin to understand who Jesus is, that should then transform our lives and transform the world. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think, yeah, it's two things. So the good news is that he doesn't, is that that he says, and I will give you my Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to enable and to equip Mm -hmm. you. So he doesn't say, you just work at your own effort of following me. So a a disciple has the unique thing after Pentecost of saying, God, fill me. Mm. And we become temples. We become the place that God lives. Now, all of that we've looked at before when we've done our questions of life about Mm. the Holy Spirit. But it is really important to say that a disciple is someone who says, I can't do this on my own, Mm. so God, fill me. Mm. And if you look in the way Jesus talks latterly with the disciples around the Last Supper, he says, you know, I will come and live within you. Mm. Come, let me be inside you. Mm. So that's really important that, that yes, we choose to uh, follow him and to, to copy him, to obey him, but we don't do it, need to do it in our own strength. We do it mm. in the power of his Holy Spirit. The problem with the word Christian is that it just really has become about the bee. Yep. It's, oh, I believe in Christmas, yep. uh, and I believe in Easter, and nothing else. And that's where you get this thing that people are hypocrites, you get it's a big um, division between the behaviour of Christians 
and the behavior of Jesus. Mm. And such that these folks who would call themselves Christians may be blowing each other up. It may be about identity. It may be about culture in certain parts of the world. It simply may be, I use the word Christian because I'm, I'm not an atheist and I'm not a member of another religion. Mm. But it doesn't mean that they actually love Jesus. Mm. And if you love Jesus, you can't be violent and you can't mm. be... Um, all the things that we see done in the name of Christ by Christians throughout the centuries, that's not mm. what you do if you love Jesus. We'll come on to loving Jesus in a moment, but do you think that there are some people that uh, think they are a Christian because maybe they go to church, they try and be good, or they're not another religion, uh, and uh, think, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but actually have completely misunderstood what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, totally. We know from our own experience here in our church that we've got people who ha would, part of their story, part of their testimony would be, I thought I was a Christian. Mm. And then I came to this church and I heard something or I mm. went to another church and I heard somebody say and I realised I was not a Christian. Mm. And, he, and Jesus says there'll be people that, that, that rock up at the entrance to heaven and, and the judgment and say, Lord, Lord, and he says, I don't know who you are. Mm. Now, he does know who they are, but what he's saying is, you didn't actually ask me into your life. You didn't admit that you needed me. Mm. And I'm sure there are people, many people, who think they are Christians because they give people Christmas presents mm. at Christmas. Mm. Because they happen to think there probably was somebody called Jesus. He probably was born in Bethlehem and he probably did rise from the dead. And do you think there are some people that are going to church um, and, and because that's what you do yeah. as a Christian? Yeah, I think there are people who think uh, being a Christian is about being good mm. and good people go to church. We don't have to enjoy it. We don't have to l listen to it, but we say the, we say the words. We wear our Sunday best. We wear our Sunday we do best. That. Yeah. yeah, I think that's dying out. Thankfully, it was it was very much the culture of my parents' generation. My parents went to church mm -hmm. because that's what you did, mm -hmm. and only latterly did I think they come to to really grasp and understand what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I think that the generations below us, that's not really much of a problem. Mm. I think we're getting to the point where most people in church on a Sunday now believe what they're, they're doing. Whereas mm. 50 years ago, it would be a many people in church have no real ownership of what they're doing. They're just there because that's what you do to be respectable. I wonder though for how many younger people they're there because of family and parents. I remember growing up, my parents took my brother and I to the local Church of England church. They were very involved in it. Didn't cross my mind that I wasn't a Christian. I hadn't made any declaration of wanting to follow Jesus or knowing Jesus, mm. but I would have said I was a Christian. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't until um, just before my 18th birthday that I realized it was about initially a, a relationship. Mm. Uh, with, with the living God. Mm. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this uh, last week in our session, but it's just to encourage those that maybe have been brought up in a Christian family or the Christian tradition. 
what kind of questions would you encourage them to ask themselves just to begin to work out, is this my faith? Is this my parents' faith? Uh, What would you suggest? I think uh, to try and separate all the stories and the beliefs around that and say, do I love who I perceive Jesus to be? Mm -hmm. And do I believe that I need forgiveness. I needed Jesus to die on the cross for me. Mm. Do I need to admit anything? Mm. And I think that everybody brought up in a Christian family has to come to their own point of saying, do you know what? I need God. Mm -hmm. And I need that Jesus to have died on the cross in my place. And that's really crucial. It's not about whether you believe in Christmas. It's about whether you believe Jesus needed to take our sin, mm-hmm. needed to take our place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a, in one sense, for many of us, that's a moment's decision. For others, it's a process of working that out. Mm-hmm. But it's a core thing. Do I admit that I need mm-hmm. forgiveness? Do I believe that Jesus has died in my place? And do I love him now such that I want to devote my life to his call and purposes on my life? Mm. And really, it's those three things Mm. together. I admit, I believe in the cross, I believe in what he's doing, and therefore, I want to go forward and do things. Mm. And I guess the final thing is that if we don't have the and therefore then we haven't really grasped the other two. Mm. Because actually, if you admit and believe, the, the, the sea is easy. It's mm. obvious. Oh, what can I do for you, mm. God? Here mm. I am. I'm going to do anything for you because you have done so much for me. You've died mm. in my place. You've called me to a better way of living. And that's the mm. easy bit. You can't start there. If you start by saying, well, a Christian is someone mm. who does good things, it's a disaster. But it... it um, so, so one of the things I find helpful is to think about it in this way, is that I uh, buy people I love Christmas presents. I don't buy those Christmas presents in order to get them to love me. Mm-hmm. If I did, something drastic has gone wrong mm-hmm. because you don't have a relationship on the basis of uh, I give you something. Mm-hmm. However... I buy those people something because I love them. And mm. because I love them, it's obvious and natural for me to want to get them a present. It's an expression of my mm. love. But if I said, you know, I'm not going to buy my kids, sue my wife, I'm not going to buy mm. them a Christmas present, it would indicate that I don't really love them. Mm. So our behavior of copying Jesus is an indication that we love Jesus, mm-hmm. but it's never a way of getting him to love us because mm-hmm. he already loves us. He's loved mm-hmm. us first. He came and died in our place first. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we can't do anything more to be loved by Jesus than we already are. But we can work out whether we've really grasped it, whether the penny has dropped. And if my attitude is, God, what can I do for you? Then the penny has dropped. If my attitude is, you know what, I find Christianity too difficult and I don't want to do any of this, then we probably haven't really grasped it and we need to go back to the A and the B. We need to go back to the cross and back to our own unworthiness. I think sometimes as well, it's 
um, we've got a lot going on in our lives. Maybe there's stuff that we need healing and fixing and helping with. And I think sometimes there are seasons where that's all right for that to be the, the focus and the priority. Or maybe we're going through grief or something. I, th I still think you can uh, bless others and be Jesus to others in the midst of that. But sometimes it's weighted more in one way than the other. And that's okay for a short period of time. It's about trying mm. somehow to get a balance in that, that I'm not all about me, that will bless me, God, help me, God, make it all about me. Everything has to revolve around me, teach me, feed me. Mm. That's not healthy or helpful. Mm. There's an element where God says, yes, I want to bless you. Yes, I'm going to teach you. Yes, I want you to know and to experience my love. And that's all good. And we should ask him and we should develop that aspect of our relationship with him. But not, as you say, the exclusivity of actually, yeah, God, I want to partner with you. Jesus is awesome. Jesus, mm. you know, how, how can I represent you? Uh, mm. Not just on a Sunday. And I think for some people, uh, it's how do I use my gifts or how am I used by God on a Sunday or in church? And it's this radical idea that every part of our life is given over to God. Mm. And, and Jesus, when he talks about being a disciple, he doesn't make it sound particularly easy. At times, does he talking about the narrow path, things like that? Just talk a little bit about that. It's not always that, oh, this is going to be a, a, a bed of roses. And yeah, so it's a, he's, he's, Jesus says, you know, the way of following him is, mm -hmm. is like a narrow path, mm -hmm. and the way to destruction is a wide mm -hmm. path, which in one sense sounds quite off putting. But I think what he's saying is that, that to follow him is a choice that you have to decide upon. Mm -hmm. And that if you make no decision, mm -hmm. then you're not a disciple. If mm -hmm. you just let it drift, then that, that's the why path. If you like, that's the, the great river that's flowing. You've mm -hmm. got to not just go with the, the flow. You've got to make a de de deliberate choice. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Our natural instinct is self-centeredness. Mm -hmm. Our natural instinct is what is the most comfortable thing for me? Mm. Now, actually, I think that's the most disillusioning and disappointing way of living. So one of the things I was saying last time is that I don't believe, I believe that following Jesus is the best way of living. It is easier and better than any other way of life. That doesn't make it easy, mm. but it is better. And if you, the, the, the wide road, the, the flow of everybody else, of self-centeredness, is, is a road of disappointment, disillusionment, mm. pointlessness, meaninglessness, no sense of achievement, no sense of value, no sense of worth. Mm. I don't want that way, mm. but it is where humanity naturally drifts to. Yeah. So I need to choose Jesus. It's, it's a deliberate choice. Mm. It's a narrower way, mm. but it's a better way. Sometimes it comes with um, a health warning. So you look at Jesus, and Jesus was mocked, and Jesus was persecuted. You look at the early church. A lot of them were persecuted for, your faith, for their faith. A lot of Christians around the world. For them to stand up and to say, Jesus, I follow you, some of them are putting their lives on the line for that, which is absolutely incredible. And for some of us, the situations we might find ourselves in, we might be mocked, we might be judged, there might be people that are really um, not into what we're into and, and quite critical and, and judgmental. What would you say to those people or people that have fears that that's how others will perceive them? I, I think, I mean, I've not had to experience 
persecution. So in one sense, I'm not the best qualified to answer that question. I think that it's no doubt that Jesus it talks about following Jesus can be costly. Mm -hmm. He talks about the eternal perspective, mm -hmm. that heaven puts it all right, that there's a reward, that whatever we lose out and suffer in this life, he will re mm. repay in heaven. So there is an sense in which we need to see things in a temporary basis. But I'm reminded of the quote of Martin Luther King, who, and I'm going to paraphrase, it's something like this. He says, if you've never found something worth dying for, you've never found something worth living for. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what I believe I see in the persecuted church, that their encounter and relationship with God is so precious. Mm -hmm. And their belief in the goodness of God is so strong mm -hmm. that they won't be bullied or intimidated by those who harm them. Mm -hmm. And that shows to me the preciousness of what they've encountered and what they've discovered. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely amazing. And one of the incredible things is that people are becoming Christian at a far quicker rate in, in countries and places where Christians are persecuted because they, they have realised the importance of life. And those that are Christians, as you say, have grasped, this is life in all its fullness. I want to share it. They're not like hiding away and keeping it to themselves. It's like, this is the greatest mm. gift. Why would I not want to partner with mm. God? and be involved with this, which is incredible. Uh, and I just wish I had some of their mm. determination and their steadfastness in trusting God, whatever. And it reminds me too, in the, in the last study in John, which I've just done, uh, it, it, Jesus says, if um, the Son will set you free, he talks about having, uh, tr bringing true freedom. Mm. And I just explored in that how the things that we think make us free in the Y path, the path without mm. Jesus, actually enslave. Whereas when we follow Jesus, mm -hmm. where we think we're being tied down to something, it's bringing real life. And it may be that that study's worth looking at, but essentially it's discovering that what really matters comes from Jesus. Mm. And even if people throw stones at us, even if people reject us, we've got something more precious. So what does a, a disciple of Jesus look like? What are the marks of that on, a, on an ordinary person like you or I? I think they'll be people of grace. Mm -hmm. They will be people who are gentle mm -hmm. and compassionate. They will be peacemakers. Mm -hmm. and these are all the ways in which Jesus talks to us and, and commands his followers to be. They will be people who love. Mm -hmm. They will be people who pray and love their enemies. Mm -hmm. They will be people who seek to be good news to the poor. Mm -hmm. They will be people who seek and look for the lost. Mm -hmm. And they will be people of compassion and generosity. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they'll look like. So if people want an idea of some of the things that Jesus said and did, look at your John studies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did a couple of studies on, um, on the light of life where he says, if anyone follows me, they will have the light of life. And I went into real detail. What does it mean to follow Jesus and how does that bring light? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of studies there. The one that I've just done about freedom. How is it that the world thinks it's free when it's not? And what is the freedom that Jesus brings? Jesus talks about, as well, picking up your cross and following him as a, as a disciple, as one of his followers. What does that mean? What's he getting out there? Are we to be crucified? Well, he's talk, he talks about being prepared to die for Jesus, certainly. That's part of it. I think that the, 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 
what we know, I think, is that we have a number of natural human instincts that are self-preservation, the desire and need to eat, the desire and need to procreate, the desire and need to be safe. Those are natural instincts. But what I think God tells us is that if we give them unrestrained power, they ultimately damage us. So mm -hmm. the, the most obvious one is we need to eat. Mm -hmm. So uh, we all need to eat. Mm -hmm. But if you say, okay, it doesn't matter how much I eat or what I eat, you end up with heart disease. You end up uh, dying young because you have allowed that natural desire to mm -hmm. be rampant. Mm -hmm. The same applies to self-preservation. Mm -hmm. Self-preservation is important. You know, we don't put our hand into the fire. We don't mm -hmm. run across the road without looking because there's an instinct within us to keep ourselves safe. That's important, mm -hmm. just as the instinct to eat is. Mm -hmm. But left unrestrained, it becomes selfishness and we trample on anybody else to get what we want. And mm -hmm. just like overeating, it, that ultimately destroys us because we become alienated from everybody else. We become unfit for heaven, and so our ultimate destiny is destruction. Mm. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, mm. you need to deny yourself. Mm. In other words, you need to learn how to say, okay, what I think I want right now, mm. that extra cream, mm. or those really hurtful words I want to say, or that greedy expression that hurts somebody else, I need to deny that. That's countercultural at the moment, it isn't is it? It is countercultural. Very much so. We live in an environment where express yourself. If it feels good, I mean, we can't at the moment because we're in lockdown. But, but normally there's a just go out and be you. As long as you're not hurting anybody else. Yeah, I guess the only thing is in the context of exercise, we understand the concept that exercise is painful, but it's good for us. Yeah. And, that, and, and I guess there's an exercising of the, the soul mm. of saying, okay, I need... I would like to just sit on the couch and do nothing, but mm. actually I need to get up and do my 10,000 steps mm. or whatever it is. And God says, look, if you want to follow me, mm. self-denial is part of it. Mm. And putting other people first mm. is the way of a disciple. Mm. Now that may feel really as difficult as painful as carrying the cross, but it will be worthwhile. Mm. And, and one of the big things for me is being able to get to the end of my life and mm. say, did I achieve what God intended me to do? Mm. And will he say, well done? Mm. Or will I have wasted this life doing my own stupid mm. ideas and get there and say, what have you achieved? Oh, absolutely nothing. One of the most fulfilling things in this lifetime, I think we'd both agree, is seeing somebody that um, maybe has come to Alpha, maybe has been watching Questions of Life, who have come through to faith. And uh, beneath here, there's the baptistry and uh, declaring Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Saviour. Just the sense of, God, thank you for the privilege of just being a little link in the chain, being able to partner with you in that. There's mm. nothing else that beats that, that yeah. sense of... Yeah. God at work in someone else's life is just incredible. And I think we often get caught up with ourselves and what's going on with me. Uh, and we're to look up, we're to look at God and say, God, this is me. And the fantastic news, we talk about self-denial, we talk about picking up our cross and following Jesus. 
you talked about this earlier, we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the power mm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the things that we find difficult, we don't have to just plow on in our own strength. There's a, there's a sense that we can say, God, by your spirit, in your power, would you help me? Mm. Uh, and it's, we talk about this all the time. It's a journey. It's a process. It's, uh, would you help me to look less to myself and to my needs? And would you help me to look outwardly? Mm. Would you prompt me by your spirit if there's somebody that you'd have me speak to or encourage or stand up for in the workplace? Maybe someone's being treated meanly or being gossiped about or whatever. And our first reaction is often just, to, oh, don't want to get involved. Uh, but actually it's learning to say, okay, God, you know, at your instigation, at your prompting, in your power, help me just to gently... Yeah speak your words and I'm sure there's loads of other situations that that we're called to do that in but it's not in our own strength absolutely we're in partnership which is the exciting thing and we're in partnership with a god who is doing something who is changing lives uh from darkness to light which is incredible and why wouldn't you want to put your hand up mm. and say i'll be part of that absolutely absolutely and and and, and again you know one of the things that picks up on that that we haven't I haven't said really, is that a key aspect of a disciple is that they bear fruit or that they reproduce other disciples. Yeah. In other words, that people look at the way we live our life and say, whatever you've got, I want. Yes. Whoever you know, mm. I want to know. Mm. Now, many of us are, are humble people and we can't see how that will happen. And mm. when we get to heaven, God will reveal it. Mm. But the key thing is it's got to be what we want. Mm. In other words, we've got to be praying every day, Lord, make my life count. Mm. Make my life influential. Make yeah. my life something that points people to God. Mm. And if that's our daily prayer, then I believe that when we get to heaven, he's going to say, there's the answers. Over there is so-and-so. Mm. Over there is so-and-so. Those are the people mm. who looked at you and said, mm. I want to follow Jesus too. Mm. And as you say, when you stand in a baptism and you have the privilege of hearing people tell those stories, it, there is nothing mm. greater than that. And we're not just talking about a load of spiritual things, are we? We're not talking about um, preaching the gospel no, and no. Bible bashing and sending no. through a verse. I mean, sometimes it might be appropriate to share a scripture, uh, but that's not really what we're talking about, is it? We're just talking about living that life of love. Yes. Of not being ashamed that we follow Jesus, yes. but not being hypocritical. It's Francis of Assisi has a famous quote where he says, you know, preach on all occasions and if absolutely necessary, use words. Mm. In other words, it's our life mm. that, that, that's a message. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that bit that says, take up my cross and deny yourself, he finishes by saying, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world? and lose their soul. But whoever mm. loses their life for me will gain it. In other words, if we give up all our selfish agendas and say, God, here's my life. I'm offering it to you to reproduce, to build your kingdom, mm. to reproduce faith, to, 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 to let other people know and see your love. Actually, we find a whole new life that's far mm. more significant and worthwhile. And Jesus talks about it as life in all its fullness. It's the real deal. It's real life. And, and self-centered life, to me, is small-minded. Mm. It's tiny. It's pointless. Mm. And we'll only, you know, we'll only live a few decades, well, 70, 80, 90 years, and we're gone. And you look out at graveyards and hundreds of people that have lived and gone. And to me, to have given my life to something that lasts, that remains after me because I 
gave a model of, of love and care to somebody, mm. that that carries on, is, is, is real life. And we can still do that in lockdown. We can still do that if we're isolating. Absolutely. You know, there's the phone, there's texting, there's emails. There's praying for people. Praying for people. There's doing, uh, sending them a cake. There's, there's loads of different things that, that we can do. Mm. Uh, it's just about offering ourselves up to God and saying, here I am. Uh, and not just once every now and then, not even just once a morning, but all the time. Mm. Okay, it's, it's that, that constant reliance upon him. Mm. Thank you for your love. What is it that you want me mm. to do today? Mm. I remember a couple of months ago, I, uh, I had a day planned where I was going to get a load of admin and written work done. And in the middle of it, I had to um, spend some time with somebody else. They needed just a listening ear. I didn't want to do it. Uh, I just wanted to be selfish and get my work done. And this sense came over me that actually the most important thing I can do today is to not speak, but to listen to go and be with that person. So I'm like, okay, God, I yeah. begrudgingly went. <coughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, when I got there, I, heart, I said from the bottom of my heart, okay, God, you want me to do this. This is fine. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me and enable me to do this. I, I want to serve you. And so I was there for about an hour and a half. Time went really, really quickly. And I got out there at the end and just felt this overwhelming sense of that was the right thing to do. And it gave me such a buzz that I wouldn't have got had I sat at home doing my admin and being selfish. Mm. And actually the knock-on consequence of that has been just amazing to see God working and a whole load of other things. But for me, it was, Kath, get over yourself. You know, this is a simple thing that God's asking me to do. He's asking me to listen to someone, just to be there, just to be a friend. Uh, and that was the most important thing he'd have for me to do that day. And mm. I did it and it was like, yes, I want to be part of this. I want to be a part of a God that changes lives. Mm. I don't have to say anything. Just there. Mm. I'm just being Jesus mm. in the room to this person. They know God is there with them mm. because I'm there. Mm. And that's exciting. That's what we want. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not about being super skilled, super oh, talented, gosh, no. super competent. No. It's simply saying, here I am. Yes. You've made me. You've made me with my strengths and my weaknesses. Mm. What can I do for you today? Mm. Who can I listen to? Who can I love? Who can mm. I pray? Who can, who can I just simply show a different way of living to? Yeah. That's all yeah. it is. It's, ve it's, sim it's very simple in one sense to be mm. a disciple. We just try and copy Jesus. Mm. And I think our lifestyle speaks far more at times Absolutely. than our words. People are watching us as Christians. And when they see grace, when they see love, when they see mercy, when they see all of those things, I think they're blown away. Mm. Because it's unlike many people in this world. There are lots of good people in this world, don't get me wrong. But a lot of people are self-interested, head down, it's about me. What can I get out of it? And when you see someone that's different, it makes you sit back and think, what is it about mm. them? And that's what we want to be about. We want to mm. be, be people that... Other people look at us and think, mm. as you said earlier, I want mm. what they've got. Mm. What have they got? Why are they so different? Mm. It's exciting stuff. Anything else as we're coming into land that you want to say about being a disciple? Uh, no, I think uh, I just love the idea of responding to what Jesus has done for mm. me. That we start with saying, gosh, how much he loves me. Mm. And that compels us. Mm. to say, here I am. Mm. And if it doesn't compel us to say, here I am, then I haven't really understood it. Mm. Or maybe I've drifted slightly and I need to just refocus and, and just spend a bit of time and mm. ask him to help me with mm. that. 
In all of this, God will help us. God welcomes us. God will empower and equip us with his spirit. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, to listen to us or to watch us. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be live next week. Hey. So you'll get the chance to uh, message in with your questions and with your, <clears throat> losing my voice, and with your emails. We've also got our uh, live streams on uh, Sunday, 8.30, 10.30 and 6.30. I think it's me and Deb all day. You're not here. So while the uh, cat's away, the mice are going to play. Uh, we'll see what we can come up with during those live streams. Uh, and also there'll be uh, Cafe Church on Monday. And we're looking at laughter and how it is good to laugh. So join with us at 7 o'clock. There'll be the quiz. There'll be some jokes. There'll be Alison and Laurie. Lots going on. Uh, invite your friends. Uh, and we'll be talking about how actually God can lift our spirits and bring joy in the midst of whatever else is going on in our lives. Anyway, we will leave it there. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'll say cheerio from us. Bye-bye. Goodbye.